Welcome, co-creators. I'm Hannah. And I'm Rob. And we are the hosts of Forgive and Live. And today we are starting something new. So I hoped to, the plan is, we'll see how editing goes and how my life is with the editing and, you know, all that jazz. But I want to upload these new episodes every Wednesday. And the Wednesday episodes, I want, we're going to cover the Tao Te Ching. So we're going to do one verse every week. So we'll end up with 81 episodes, 81 weeks of the Tao Te Ching. We're still going to do our Sunday open convos, our deep dives and all of that fun jazz. But we both love doing this so much and we both love the Tao and I thought it would be a great place to start to open up conversation about biblical or old religious spiritual texts and the difference in translations and how it's read and how it's understood. And the Tao is considered one of the wisest books that has ever been written or recorded. So I thought it would be a really cool place to start. Yeah, agreed. I like this. Uh, I like the Tao. I try to live my way or my life kind of by its way, the the way it yeah. is described. It, it's very meaningful to me. Um, I wouldn't say that I understand all of it fully, but I, I'm pretty, pretty well, um, I, I live my life by it and my understanding of it re resonates with me. And so I internalize it and interpret it in a way that's meaningful to me. There are passages in there that I don't understand, Yeah. but the majority of it I is very, it's the way I live my life. I, I've adopted this uh, mentality that Lao Tzu describes in this book. And um, it's way deeper than what I could ever imagine. And, you know, the first chapter that we're getting to, ready to, to discuss, um, we're going to use a translation that you have found in a, in a book. Yeah. Um, what's I the name of that? So the book that I have, I got at Barnes and Noble, and it is called The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. That's the only thing on it. Um, I'm going to read the, you know, the beginning explanation of the Tao by my book that I have. And it kind of uh, gives an introduction about how the Tao came as a physical book and how it's kind of manifested since, you know, AD or BC or however long ago this thing was actually written down. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a total, you know, if it doesn't resonate with you, don't, don't listen to this because I think it'll make you even more confused because it is such a wise book that I feel like it deters those who don't understand it. And Lao Tzu does talk about this in the Tao. Um, but it will not, you will know if it resonates with you when you start to understand it. The minute you understand what is written, you know it has resonated. Because I think if you just try to open up this book willy-nilly and try to read from it, it's not going to make an ounce of, of sense. Like, it is a very energetically powerful, it's its own energy. It's its own force in this book. It's so cool. But yeah, it's it's a life form is what it is. To me, at least, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it is. It's very energetic. It has its own energy. It does. And um, yeah, just reading from it um, or listening to the audio version, which is usually what I do. 
mm-hmm. is um, it, it's nice. It's it comes with a very peaceful wisdom, it and is. I feel like I need to be open to it in order to receive it. Yes. And um, so you're going to read a, a, a you're going to put this in context and read yes. uh, just an intro from a translation um, of the Tao. Yes. Right. Yes. And okay. so this book is translated by John H. McDonald. So introduction, the Tao Te Ching is not only the most influential, influential classic text of Chinese philosophy, it is also one of the most widely read examples of what can perhaps be described as wisdom literature. According to tradition, the Tao Te Ching was written in the 6th century BC by the Taoist sage Lao Tzu, a contemporary of Confucius, 50, uh, 551 through 479 BC. However, analysts of the text vocabulary and style suggest a date sometime in the late 4th or early 3rd century BC. Several ancient versions of the Chinese te- text exist, but the oldest extant version was discovered in 1993 in a tomb near the town of... These are words in Chinese that I can't pronounce, but it's a providence in China. Written on numerous slips of bamboo, a common writing material in ancient China, this text has been dated prior to 300 BC. Initially, the text was known simply as Lao Tzu, but during the Han period, 1st century BC to 1st century AD, it became more widely known under its present name of the Tao Te Ching. The title that derives from the traditional ver- division, a title that derives from the traditional division of the book's 81 short chapters into two sections. The first section, chapters 1 to 37, opens with an explanation of the enigmatic nature of the Tao, literally, the way. While the second, chapters 38 to 81, opens with an explanation of the working of duh virtue power quality or the good the third name namely ching means classic and so Tao Te ching can be translated as the classic of the way and its power or virtue whichever translation you're using although the Tao Te ching is of primary importance of the taoist school of chinese philosophy as well as the Dallas religion and Chinese Buddhism, its translation into hundreds of languages has made it available to a worldwide audience. The original text comprised of 5,000 Chinese characters, some of which have multiple meanings. It was also written in cryptic style. If we add to this the difference between Chinese and Western, though, the passage of time between the writing of the original text and the present day, we can begin to appreciate the difficulties faced by translators in their efforts to provide an effective translation of the Tao Te Ching that is accessible to modern Western audience. In spite of these difficulties, over 40 translations exist in print in English alone, plus 30 or more online. However, a simple side-by-side comparison of two or more translation translations will reveal a wide-ranging differences of interpretation in, adopted by individual translator translators, but this is hardly surprising in view of the emetic nature of the Tao itself and the ambiguous style of the Tao Te Ching. John H. McDonald, the author of the translation presented here, consults a number of different versions of the text in an attempt to find a consensus between them and produce a definitive translation of this ancient Chinese classic. Most traditions refer to the sage, or most translations refer to the sage or master as being exclusively masculine in gender. In gender, but McDonald chose the feminine because a master is aware of both, but chooses the least likely of the two. As following, as the following verse shows, know the masculine but keep to the feminine, 
and become a watershed to the world. Chapter 28. Lao Tzu. The little we know about Lao Tzu comes from, bear with me while I might butcher this, Shi Qi, records of the historian, compiled, compiled towards the beginning of the first century BC by the Han historian, I'm going to name him Shu. His name is much longer than that, but I can't pronounce it. 145 through 85 BC. The name Lao Tzu is actually an honorific title, meaning old master, or in some translations, I know it also means old man. According to Shu, his given name was, do you know Li Ertan? Li Ertan? I think is how you pronounce his actual given name. But born in the village of Shuzhen in the state of Chu, I think, in later life, he became an archivist at the court of the Chu dynasty. Chu also recounts two events from Lao Tzu's life. The first of these was a visit, visit by Confucius, who asked Lao Tzu to tutor him in the traditional wits. Lao Tzu replied in words that express some of the central themes of the Tao Te Ching, saying, those you talk about have turned to dust, all that remains in their worlds. When a nobleman lives in good times, he goes to court in a carriage, but when times are hard, he goes where the wind blows. Some people say that a wise merchant hides his wealth and thus appears to be poor. Likewise, the sage, if he has great inner virtue, he appears outwardly to be a fool. Stop being so arrogant with all of your questions, your self-importance, and your overbearing obsessions. None of this is the real you. That is all I have to say to you. When Confucius rejoined his followers, he described his meeting with Lao Tzu thus, I know that birds fly, fish swim, and animals run. Creatures that run can be trapped. Those that swim can be caught in nets. Those that fly can be shot down. But what to do with a dragon? I do not know. It rides in the clouds in the wind. Today I met Lao Tzu, and he is like a dragon. The second event related to Shu is the final journey of Lao Tzu. Despairing at the moral decline of the kingdom and the people's obsessive desire for possessions and status, Lao Tzu set off on a water buffalo to travel to the west. According to some traditions, he was withdrawing from the world to become a hermit. But the story takes on a slightly different meaning when you consider that in Chinese mythology, the West is the land of the afterlife. When he reached the Western Gate of the Kingdom in the mountain pass of Hangku, he was recognized as a sage by, I'm going to call him Yin, the keeper of the pass, who out asked Lao Tzu to write down his knowledge of the Tao before retiring from the world. Lao Tzu duly obliged and, according to tradition, wrote the book in one night. The next day, the sage presented the book to Yin, saying, This book is no different from other books in that it is a dead thing, but you can bring it to life if you put into practice what is written in it. With that, Lao Tzu mounted his water buffalo and de departed for the West, never to be seen again. Whether or not a single individual known as Lao Tzu, or the master, was the author of the Tao Te Ching is now openly questioned by many scholars, as is his historical existence. Instead, it is suggested that the text is more in the nature of an anthology of sayings compiled over an extended period of time before taking its present form. What is beyond question, however, is the profound nature of the universal wisdom contained in this seminal work of the Tao. That's a good history and good context on, on what we're getting ready to talk about. And yeah. there's not only a mystery in the text and in all of the chapters, verses, sentences, and words, but there's a mystery in how this came about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have um, dropped from the sky. You know, we have absolutely no idea. 
And if it did, you know, it would kind of make sense if it did drop from the sky, because what we are going to read is going to kind of put into context, anything is really possible. There is always two sides to a coin, and it's it's just beautiful. But anyways. Yeah, and, and I like the way the beginning starts out, because it's removing the human way that we try to understand things through descriptive language. Oh, and yeah. So it, it's the the first sentence, uh, the Tao that can be described is not the eternal Tao. And so immediately it's telling us that the moment we just decide to describe it, label it, context, you know, put it in context, you and I talk about it, it's lost its um, magical powers. It's lost its <laughs> hugeness, its um, eternalness. Um, even by saying that it's eternal, we've described it and put it into some kind of box. And true. so the only way to actually know this thing is to go quiet inside of ourselves and go find it and not describe it. But um, here we are uh, talking yeah. about it. Yes, we're, we're doing the exact thing the Tao Te Ching tells us not to do. <laughs> we're very good at following directions. <laughs> but yeah, that's, it, it's so true. There's, and I think what's even more incredible is that it feels so big because you are recognizing yourself in it. You are recognizing the universe within you. You're recognizing the divine when you read these words, when you find it within you and you understand this on a spiritual level, not just a physical or, you know, it's, it's a spiritual knowing. It's not a, a novel, you know, like it's not, there's a, there's a difference, but so both of the Tao Te Ching's that we have are different. Dad texted me his translation before we started and I showed him hit mine. So this is very interesting that we both have different translations and we're going to try to explain this. And also just let it be, you know, I, I think I, I want the Tao Te Ching to energetically come to our listeners, not as much as we explain it, but it's a vibrational thing. Like what we talk about when we have our Sunday chats, it's, it's the vibration that I want to key into our listeners, not so much the words, but the words are important too. But why don't why don't you read your translation first then i'll read mine and then we can kind of like compare how about that yeah sure uh the Tao Te ching verse one the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. the name that can be named is not the eternal name the unnameable is the eternally real Naming is the origin of all particular things. Free from desire, you realize the mystery. That's the first portion that I have. Interesting. Okay. So my verse one is the Tao that can be described is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be spoken is not the eternal name. The nameless is the boundary of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of creation. Freed from desire, you can see the hidden mystery. By having desire, you can only see what is visibly real. Yet mystery and reality emerge from the same source. This source is called darkness. Darkness, born from darkness. The beginning of all understanding. And to me, that means remove things. Remove, you know, it... it Darkness born from darkness, the beginning of understanding, just the removal of of 
our thoughts of who we think we are, of our identity. When we remove all of this is when we start to understand the bigger energy form that this describes as the Tao. The That's desire also um, freed, for, I, I, this, this means some, I, I really like how it says freed from desire, you can see the hidden mystery. By having desire, you can only see what is visibly real. To me, yes. freed from desire, you can see the hidden mystery. So free myself from the desire, yes. and then I'm able to see God, source energy, universal wisdom. What does desire mean to me? De desire is, is this human element that wants to understand um, it wants to be understood. It wants to project an agenda. It wants, it just wants, it, it's, it's this, it's this existence in this body and this energy form. It wants to complete things, put things in boxes, judge label. And so that to me is desire. Oh, totally. It's yeah. not just this desire to have a bigger house or whatever. It's, it's, it's just this this thing inside of us that drives us to be human beings. And there's tons of drivers. There's sexual drivers and we have this sexual energy that says, hey, I, you know, I wanna be with a partner. Um, there's hunger desires that say, I need to go eat something. Um, there's even anxious energy. And, oh, yeah. and that's, to me, that's a driver it's a desire. It's it's driving my my. It's driving me to live and function and do things. And so when I remove all of those drivers or desires, now I'm starting to go to that place where darkness is, where there's nothing. And that's when we can learn where the mystery is. But when we have these desires all we do is we all we can see is the world around us the physical world so lose the driving force behind our existence and then we're able to see the miracle and i like how this goes to at least my verse before that when it says the nameless is the boundary of heaven and earth and the named is the creation the mother of creation now when i read that the first time and still kind of i would think that nameless and name should be switched in those two lines, meaning the named is the boundary of heaven and earth and the nameless is the mother of creation because the Tao that cannot be named is, that can be named is not the eternal Tao, but it's not. It's, it says the nameless is the boundary of heaven and earth and the named is the create mother of creation. So already you have a du duology, you have a, a paradox between the first verse, or yeah, the first verse, and then the second. Do, do you see how, do you see that? Yes, I do. You're, you're um, I'll try to describe it in my words. So you're saying that the nameless is supposed to be this great mystery universal wisdom nameless we're not yes. naming it so it's got to be the Tao, and then it's defined with a boundary it's now the um lao tzu or maybe the translator maybe, maybe lao tzu didn't mean it this way but um the translator certainly made it seem as if the nameless now has a boundary that the great wisdom the Tao, the universal source energy yes. now has a physical boundary and then um, the named is this mother of creation. And, and earlier he said that the, you can't name the mother of creation. So yes. the translation is a little strange for sure. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Yes. Because, and the boundary of heaven and earth, are we talking about the boundary where you're in the physical world and then there's a boundary to get to the the heaven and earth or is are they saying the nameless is an eternal boundary 
of heaven and earth. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, not a hundred percent. Um, but I, I think you're on to something first by questioning the translation. I think that's, yeah. I think that's intelligent and that's wise, um, to question this because it, it does seem to be a little, it, it does seem to contradict the first part, which says, you know, if you name it, what, okay. then you've reduced it and you can't name the eternal Tao. Exactly. And then all of a sudden. So I think it is, I, I think it, it does need, I think more thought needs to be put into that. But I do think that the boundary of heaven and earth that the translator and Lao Tzu is referring to here is um, possibly the, the, the difference between manifested and unmanifested okay that's kind of what i'm thinking now your translation the unnameable is the is the eternally real the naming i, I agree with that the naming is the origin of all particular things. So I agree. So I think it's the translator who translated it wrong. I think those two should be switched. Yes. Yes. So I, I would agree with you. Yes. That's so funny. Okay. So this is really cool how we're seeing these, these little things now, even in the first verse. That's very cool to see. Um, free from desire, you realize the mystery. Yes. And which is, which is very funny here, the paradox here, when it says freed from desire, you realize the, the, the mystery or the hidden mystery. The paradox is when you're in, when you're at peace, all of your desires are there. All of the things that you actually want are there, but the desires in the physical is is what I think is what Lao Tzu is trying to say. Like, let go of the desires in the physical and I will show you all of the desires you truly want within peace, within the hidden mystery. So I think there's a paradox there that you do have desire, just let go of the desire that's not serving you. That's really deep wisdom, and I don't think most people would be um, okay with that. And I totally agree, and I've found that to be relevant in my own life because yeah. my old desires were attached to a sense of self and a sense of belonging and want to be better and be somebody and be something. So my old my desires have changed. Yes, mine too. And yeah, so so I used to have a desire and it was born out of escapism in some ways. I would go ride my motorcycle and escape but I didn't know it then, but it was a it was a I I can say that it is now. But back then it did not look that way to me. It looked like oh, I was having fun riding my motorcycle. But now I've I've come to this deeper place of mental peace and stimulating events like riding the motorcycle are fine. It's just not a place that I want to go to all the time. I still enjoy riding the motorcycle, but um, my desire changed. Yes. The, the actual desire has changed and that's, that's proof of it. Do, do you have proof of a desire that changed in your life? Books. Books don't have the same drawl to me as they used to. Books were my escapism, as as you put it. And they don't... I haven't read a book and I don't even know how long. Like, I'm talking a fantasy novel. I, you know, I... The Tao Te Ching I have uh, with me, like, all the time. <laughs> this book I carry with me everywhere. Um... And, you know, I've read The Power of Now, I've read the Bhagavad Gita. Um, so like I, I'm reading, but I'm not reading, you know, fantasy novels. 
that escape me. Yeah, to escape. Yes. But um, I also feel like, but I wasn't necessarily talking about the physical, though, when I was talking about desire. I was talking more about, to put it bluntly, the big hole inside of us that we can't seem to fill that is always there that is drowning us and we do everything we can in the physical world whether it be riding motorcycles whether it be reading books whether whatever watching tv shows and binging tv shows until you you know like your eyes are gonna cross gaming playing video games all of these things are in the physical world to try and fill the hole inside of us that feels like it's growing it feels like it's it's not even one size it feels like every day it just gets a little bit more bigger and more even more hard to handle and you can't get a grasp on it and it's always there and it's growing and it's this thing when we go to a place of peace that hole is filled that desire to fill the hole with the physical things will not work and i think this is what lao tzu was trying to tell us is that we have desires but we were we're translating the desire wrong we're saying okay there's something that can't fulfill me so i'm gonna go out into the physical world the translator is saying go out in the physical world and find something to fill it the translation is wrong we are to come within ourselves and we actually fill the hole ourselves the universe doesn't fill the hole for us you know lao tzu talks about you know the mother of creation and the the Tao, these 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 names and they sure we put a name on these things that we feel like are outside of ourselves but they're not they're within us and when we go to a place of stillness when we go when we are freed from desire like lao tzu says we then realize that our desires are already filled that we have been our desires all along that hole had already been filled but we were going outside we were going in out into the physical world and the more we did that the more the hole was growing in loose translation but that's what i'm trying to get at with that yeah verse. that's that's very wise yeah way better explanation than mine for sure oh it just actually it just came to me i wasn't even i hadn't even meditated on this so this was just the universe came through me <laughs> yeah i think that totally makes sense that, that's that's what happens we get quiet but many people can't quiet the mind it's not that they can't they're choosing not to in some ways in some ways the universe hasn't allowed them the conscious True. ability to be able to do it but the universe is us so we're co-creating right. the ability to not go to peace yes I remember, you know, somebody said some silly joke. Um, can God create a rock so big that he can't pick it up? And this is a description of that. Yes, God can um, create a reality that we get so immersed in that we forget that we're God. Yes, exactly. We are living proof of that. Yes, I didn't even think about that. True man that's deep <laughs> this is 
this whole podcast is deep. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Me too. I didn't quite... I like what you said of the end. The, the source is called darkness. Now, I'm wondering, you didn't have this darkness part of your um, verse in your translation. It may not have been a complete verse. I grabbed it off the internet and maybe it was verse or chapter one or whatever, but maybe it wasn't the whole thing. I wonder. Let's... I grabbed it off of Google. Darkness to me is, you know, the eternal place of nothingness. It's and they're and they're trying to you trying to describe that by saying dark and dark i don't think means like negative energy or dark energy it just means this that's where i instinctively go yeah i i instinctively go to negativity um darkness born from darkness the beginning of all understanding oh wait I, I think I'm drawing a connection to another verse. Um, darkness born from darkness. Yes, because in another verse, I remember Lao Tzu saying, I, I, I don't know where it is. We'll, we'll end up getting there. Um, but the Tao is born of the Tao. There was that there was a line just like right. that. Yes. Which, which makes sense. Darkness born from darkness, the beginning of all understanding. And I, I, there was also another, um, verse in here that, um, you know, like earth follows heaven, heaven follows the Tao, the Tao follows itself. Yes. yes. I remember that. Yes. So that totally makes sense. The beginning of all understanding, darkness born of darkness, is the Tao following itself. The dark, the Tao is born of itself. Okay, now it makes sense to me. It just clicked. But yes, okay. Yeah, and and we are the Tao. Yes. So we don't need to follow anything. We can go to that quiet, still place and navigate our life from there. Yet mystery and reality emerged from the same source, which also makes sense because we are the Tao. We are co-creating the choice between being at peace and not. Yet, because yet mystery and reality emerge from the same source. So negativity does emerge from the Tao, but it is the paradox of negativity and positivity that show us the correct way that is of the Tao that we have co-created. I think that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the manifested part that is obviously part of the divine. The divine is the unmanifested and the manifested. It's the it's the house and the space that's inside the house. It's the light and the darkness. It's all of it. It's the manifested and the, the unmanifested. It's yeah. the the Beginning part the that game. we can physically touch and the part that we can't even explain or speak about. It's both. Interesting. The name that can be spoken is not the eternal name. You know, it's so, it's so funny that we can try to explain something so vigorously, but still miss the mark. I can feel it. I can totally go to oh, a of course. mindset, meditative mindset of peace and know that it is absolutely okay at this moment, at every this moment, and that I'm being divinely guided. You know, that's funny. The universe made it so, the Tao made it so that we cannot say its name in any language. 
which is funny because the universe can have a word for itself. It can make a word for itself that we could use. But the the Tao, in this sense, the universe, has chosen for humanity not to have a word for it. And I think what we need to do is like read between the lines in this sense is that we're not supposed to have a name for it. That's it's that's missing the mark that we're supposed to. So funny. I'm saying missing the mark. Can you tell I'm we've been reading your book? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That goes into a whole nother conversation about the word sin. And I guess, Missing the mark sounds so much better. Yes, and it sounds like you. Um, (laughs) uh, But that's just funny because, like you said, the universe is the space within the house. The universe is the space between which I am saying words. So it's not... the silence between your words? Yes, is where the knowing is. So crazy. So yeah. And that's where we can navigate life from. And that's a place that many people don't want to navigate life from. They want to navigate life from educational wisdom and knowledge rather than deep intuition and knowledge. Wisdom from deep intuition is is a wonderful place to navigate life from but most people miss that because they they're incapable of trusting in their deeper wisdom um it's not their fault that's just the way we're raised as children we're told um don't listen to your deeper wisdom listen to me i'm your mom i'm your dad you do as i say to do no one's ever taught to go to that still quiet place inside for guidance no or very few are taught that. But then again, that is the point. The point is to relearn who we are. Yeah. I think as a humanity, as as humans, we will get to a point where it is taught from birth. We, what, uh, what is it? Uh, Joe Dispenza, who says that after what, like age two, two or four or three, that we completely lose the connection with the Tao or the universe and become reliant on the physical world. So I think, I think as humanity progresses and evolves, I think that that age will likely become longer. We may end up losing ourselves at age 10, say, but that is also the point. And I have been trying to find, you have described on the podcast times where you felt that peace when you were a kid. And I can't recall that at all. And I wonder what the, what the story is there. Like why the universe made it for you to experience it at such a young age, but then forget about it until your your 50s. And I can't recall a feeling like that at all. I know I've had some like out of body experiences, but I, it's never felt like the peace I've felt now. It's just very, I don't know, I will never get an answer, but it's just very interesting that it was, it played out like that. And I wonder how many people can recall a peaceful time in their childhood once they regain their peace in their older years for me it's a place of navigation and uh how to how to move forward with my spirituality and i think that's different for everybody so maybe you don't have that that piece of uh or that 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 sense of deep peace in your childhood 
but maybe there's something else that's leading your forward momentum in your, you know, in the divine realm. For me, oh. I look back at that and I remember, you know, when I was that little kid on the dirt pile and I was sweaty, but I was happy. You know, I didn't have all of my needs met, but I totally felt peace. And that correlates to now. I'm, I, that makes sense for me. Oh, yeah. So it, that's that's my little piece of DNA or whatever that kind of, you know, not not real DNA, just like. I'm using that word loosely. It's, it's, it's my history. Yeah, it's like it's like my resume, and it says, um, "Oh, Rob, back here, this is what peace looked like. Can you find that now in your adult life?" And so I do that, and and I oh. and I practice. I I go to work, or talk to you, or um, go for a walk, or a hike, or whatever. And I try to incorporate. I don't, I don't try to do it. I I incorporate. It's a way of life. It's not even a practice anymore. My way of life is to bring that little boy mental peace that I had as that little boy, bring that that peace into every single thing I do. So that's my learning tool. So, you know, not that everyone has to have the same learning tool for spiritual growth, but that's that's mine. And maybe mm -hmm. you have something slightly different. There's something that just, you know, maybe you don't need your past. Maybe you don't have to look into that. Maybe you can find that some other way. I honestly think that's a superpower of mine. <laughs> it's the, the ability to forget. <laughs> oh, right. And I think that, I think that comes, I think I've, that's why I, I have connected with what um, Bashar says about you know, you are not the person that you were when you were a child, when you have finally made that shift and forgiven that part of you, you have now become a different person, literally. I don't identify with my past. Sure, it's it's my childhood. There was, there's nothing wrong with my childhood, but I am divinely a different person. And I think it's made me, made it easier for me to transition to a different person because there's nothing holding me back from my physical, from my physical childhood past. Like all of that, is, I do not identify as me. The good, sure, yeah, but, but the, I don't know, the negativity or the, the issues, you know, all of those things are not me and I feel like it's my superpower to just forget about it and become a new me every day <laughs> like like you're right that's a gift I I do think it's a gift and it's kind of cool I will yeah because you get to reinvent yourself and you don't have to um tackle a bunch of mental concepts that say this is who you are you know if you've yeah. forgotten about quite a bit of your past then you don't have that to unravel you can just move forward now you probably do have some vibrational energy that's stuck. um yeah that's kind of stuck in there and maybe you don't have the physical memory capacity but um nevertheless you're forward spiritual momentum is based on a, pretty much a clean slate. Yes, it, it is. And it's pretty cool. And you know, it's, it's hard to remember last year here, all of Vegas is gone. I don't remember anything really. Um, and last year in Maine is blurry. <laughs> like, but things of importance, I do remember now. Like, I couldn't remember when I got my oil change last or, or things like that. I couldn't remember growing up. Now, I can remember the important physical things, but like day to day is gone. Yeah, like last year in Maine, I, yeah. 
How about um, these very conscious moments? I'm wondering if there's a difference in memory capacity based on a conscious or unconscious moment. So yes, do you think I that's a difference? That too. Yes, I thought about that too. The more I've dived into spirituality, my memory of importance of important things has grown. Anything that is non-important, I do not remember. Same way when I grew up, but I've noticed that it's like I have a filter and anything that I do not need from my past is gone. Anything that is important to me, I remember. And you said the important words, which is important to me, because yeah. I might think something else is more important than what you think is important, but. Exactly. Yeah. So you're making your mind up on what's important to you. And it's changing. The and it's been changing the more the Tao Te Ching talks about the undoing. We undo what we've learned in the physical. And I totally know what that feels like because I feel like I'm undoing all of these things I thought I should have been doing out of a definition and a belief that was not mine in the first place. So I am undoing and unraveling all of these things that I'm holding for no reason at all. And it's, you know, it's very interesting to see. So like, my definition of important things is also changing as I'm going through my spirituality journey. Like there's, you know, the, the things of importance are different. Top number one thing is me. That is the most important thing. And it should be the most important thing for everybody on this planet is yourself. That is number one. How do you make yourself number one? How do you, how do you take care of you? In many, many different ways, but. I like I, to eat ice cream. So if I want to just go <laughs> take care of me, I, I, I'm trying to get specific. I, okay. and I know you know why I'm asking you this. Yes. But. <laughs> I'm taking care of me means I'm going to call out of work sick today and eat ice cream because I'm sick of life. Is that okay? If it is absolutely definely necessary, then yes. If you have been in a place of go, 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 and you need a define, a divine day, to sit in your bathtub and eat ice cream, I 100% contone it. But it needs to be divinely your need. How do I know if it's divine? I agree with you right now. I'm <laughs> stepping through this. Yes. I agree. So how do I know if it's divine? The only way to know that is to actually know your true self. And the only way to know that is to get to a place of peace, to quiet yourself. And I'm realizing that we're not technically always quieting the mind. We're quieting ourselves. We are quieting the body. We are quieting the mind. It's it is a full immersive experience when you sit down and you meditate. Your body is not going to work. Your body is not walking from the kitchen to the bathroom. I mean, think about it. How many times a day does your legs go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and walk you everywhere? We need to come to a place of stillness divinely and when i mean divinely i mean all of us body mind and soul come together and quiet just quiet 
And as you do that, your desires, like the Tao Te Ching states, your needs and your being changes. When that changes, you understand what you need. You're quiet enough to actually hear what you actually need, not just what you think you need because you're living in a physical world that's telling you that you need all of these things when you don't. I wrote in my book that all things can be answered, understood, taken care of. Every single thing um, can be handled through alignment. And I, that's what I call what you're describing right now. So this divine need. If I need to eat ice cream and take a day off of work and it comes from alignment, this divine quiet place of knowing, then that's okay. Um, you're right. I agree. It is absolutely insane how much you realize you're not listening. I didn't realize how many times I wasn't listening to my body. I didn't realize how many times I wasn't listening to my mind. All of these things were, I was not paying attention to not even i was more engrossed in my phone and what my phone could give me than what i needed me divine me what i needed i thought my phone was more important than me that screwed up understanding that the difference between egoic self-gratification, like scrolling your phone um, or immersing yourself in, in books for 10 hours a day, Understanding that self-egoic gratification and the difference between that and feeding your soul and your divine self what it needs. Understanding those two is, is huge, being able to understand those two. And then to pull yourself away from those egoic gratifications, yep. those desires and those drives to fill a void that is already filled to be able to make that shift and operate yourself from this divine place of knowing or the Tao says darkness um that's huge there's it's it's really big it's um it's it's just a, a massive mental shift to be able to do that. And I, that's where a lot of people struggle. You know, that's, that's where overeating comes from. Um, they're not paying attention to the divine self. Um, and you've made that shift in your, in your life. And we always come full circle to this. This is, it's a really big damn deal. Yep. And um, it makes me speechless when we get to this point because there's there's no more work that has to be done when 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 that when that realization happens, then it's just a matter of perfecting riding the bicycle. You, the training wheels are gone, and now it's just perfecting riding the bicycle. And. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I, your, your spiritual knowledge and wisdom is deep. It's very deep. You, you're reading the Tao Te Ching, the Bhagavad Gita. You're understanding these things. You can, you can even look into the Tao and see that the text, the translation doesn't make sense to you. And whether, 
whether you're right or, or wrong really doesn't matter. What matters is that you're capable of looking into a text that's thousands of years old. The translation might be 10 years old, who knows, but, um, and you can decipher with a wise mind on what makes sense or not. That's a, that's a, it's just a very deep place to live your life from. And it gets deeper every single day. And not every day I get to peace. Like you say, riding the bicycle. Not every day I'm there. But that's okay. And there's, I have a knowing that's much stronger and I think I've realized, we're going to read this more, I've realized what the sage or the master is. Like when I first read the Tao Te Ching, I did not understand. I thought it was like a teacher or a guide, you know, these I thought it was somebody like Abraham Hicks or Bashar or Joe Dispenza or Eckhart Tolle. It's something even deeper than that. The sage, the master is bigger than that. And I'm excited for us to read more into this and to get into these deeper uh, concepts because I have revelations. That's, <laughs> I'm excited for my revelations. But, yeah <laughs> yeah it's fun self-discovery is fun not many people find fun in that but i do i love cultivating my mind and oh, God, looking yeah. into it and try to decide why is it that i prefer this or don't prefer that or why is it that i'm facing a reality in front of me that i don't like if i'm god and i'm the creator of the universe like the spiritual texts say, then why would I create, why am I manifesting this? Like, what is, yeah. what is the deep? So it may, it forces me to go deeper and into that quiet place and say, what is this limiting belief that is blocking or throwing up resistance to, to something that is in my view? I'm, you know, I have a distorted view of reality. Why is this happening? What am I doing inside? I, I don't know. I, I, I love that. I, I love Me too. dissecting my mind. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. And I hope I find more people in my life that like to do that. I'm, you know, the, the Dow's, you know, says that there's, that there's the manifested and the unmanifested. I'm putting that in my words, but you know, yep. There's both. So there's the people that live the, um, for lack of a better term, the superficial life where they, they are the identity. They become this identity of whatever it is. They, you know, I'm, I'm the, the big stockbroker or I'm the husband or I'm the wife. And they live this identity out their entire life and they never know the deeper self. And that's okay, right? That's the manifested and the unmanifested. That's the world we live in. There's a house and there's space inside the house. And I think you and I tend to gravitate more to the space inside the house rather than the house. And it doesn't make anybody more right or wrong than anyone else. Uh, people that live that superficial life are, um, are just as divine on the depths as anyone else is it doesn't doesn't make me any more divine or anything i it allows me to appreciate all walks of life no matter where these people are in life and that it helps me to accept myself as well um because i'm not as deep as i probably would prefer to be and and so forth yes and I love that you bring that up because the Tao, the universe, loves us enough for us to go through the trenches. We, as a society, 
have to allow ourselves to go through the trenches because we love ourselves unconditionally. And I think that is exactly what we are doing as humanity, as a whole, right? We look out into the world right now and we see disaster. We look out at school shootings and you know, all of these, all of these things that we have put a definition on that is bad, that it is wrong. And every, I have not been in this lifetime and in this body for very long. I am 22 years old. I understand that. But from my perspective, every single time a new president is reelected, it is a bad thing. Or there's people that love it and there's people that hate it. With these changes, with these issues, if you want to call them that, these perceptions of reality, we have to accept that this is the universe allowing us to go through the trenches, quote unquote. And we as a society have to have unconditional love for all of those aspects. And when we have unconditional love for all of those aspects, I think they will diminish. That when we love ourselves, we love each other, we unconditionally love and understand one another, and we will grow as humanity as a whole. But that's just me on my soapbox, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I like it. The acceptance is huge. It, you know, accepting everything. That's what you're referring to. Yes. And that acceptance makes everything easier. So when we accept where we are, when we accept who we are, when we accept the emotions, when we accept that we're tired, we accept that we're angry. It's this acceptance of the now in the present moment and that allows for consciousness and presence and peace it it opens up a new reality for us because we're not throwing up resistance yep it's a wonderful place to be yeah Hannah, this was a fun episode of the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching. I loved going over that. I love living my life by it. And um, it's great wisdom. And I look forward to uncovering some more chapters or the rest of the chapters in the Tao Te Ching with you. Great episode. It was. And it was funny. I didn't really do any prep work. I mean, I've read it like three times, but I really didn't do any prep work on that verse because I actually wanted to meditate on it and see like how um, Wayne Dyer used to say he, he, he lived his life by it for a whole year and he meditated on a verse for like four days. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to try his, his wisdom. I didn't end up getting to do it, but I feel like I understood, I uncovered more of it just by like talking through it. So that's kind of cool that I learned some more while we talked through it, which is awesome. Um, Same. But yeah, so happy Wednesday and we will see everybody Sunday.